Before we start, we wanted to let you know that this episode contains lived experiences of stories of youth and adult justice. If that's not something you want to listen to, maybe skip this one. And remember, if you are ever in need of support, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 anytime. Hey guys, uh, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to let you know about Relationships Australia, South Australia's post-care support services. It's a free confidential service for people who've been in care. Um, their number is 1800 188 118. Emily. I'm Zane, and this is Straight Up, a podcast made for people who've been in government care, and it was made with people who've been in government care. This is Nora. She makes the podcast with us. Hi. This podcast is part of GOM Central, which is a website and game for people transitioning out of state care. Uh, so this episode, we're continuing on from last week, talking about youth justice, uh, juvenile detention, caban. So what I'm interested in is people's path to being in youth justice because I feel like that's, you know, if that's the place where you can help people the most is when they're on their way there before they get stuck in those cycles. What do you guys reckon gets people there? Uh, Drugs, not even just the hard ones, even just things you might do recreationally. Uh, hanging out on the street too much. I think a lot, of, a lot, uh, a lot of people are a lot less scared of going to prison if they know people in there. Because I've talked to people who said, "Yeah, I'll be alright in prison because I know everyone." Mm. I think any type of correctional facility does that to people. You either learn from it or you decide you're going to be stuck in your ways, and you end up getting thrown back in there. There is a question as well as to whether these institutions are actually rehabilitating young people or if they're further enclosing young people into a cycle that is detrimental. I've heard young people say to me that the caravan needs to be harder and it needs to be a place you don't want to go because for some young people, obviously some people have a horrible experience of being in caravan, but some people seem to have a pretty positive experience of it. And they think that, I guess, um, if it's a worse place to be, it might deter people from doing crime a bit more. Uh, But then the other side of that is, for some people, it helps them get their school done, it helps them get off drugs, it helps them get kind of on a better path, uh, which is a really positive thing for them. I don't believe that it should necessarily be harder. I think for a lot of people, especially if you're young and living on the streets and uh, are going between different houses of maybe like abusive parents or whatever, um, Kavan might be actually a lot nicer than what your um, than what your situation is, and where you have somewhere to sleep every every day. You see the same people. You have opportunities for education. Uh, you can build possibly healthier relationships than you can uh, in in your everyday life. And I think that where 
I think because it's a juvenile correction facility, I think that it should very much be focused on uh, setting people up to not make bad decisions in their adult life. And I think that maybe you should combat uh, these problems before they enter Kavan. Mm. So how would you do that, do you think? It's a pretty hard question. <laughs> but yeah. It's hard because I think you can't really help someone unless they want to be helped. And I feel like a lot of young people um, who are in care most of the time don't want help. Mm. Um, and won't reach out for it. We need to be looking at why young people are doing the things they're doing, though, and it's not their fault. Yeah. It's not their fault that they're making these decisions. They've been put in situations where they've had to look in places that other people in society haven't necessarily had to go, mm-hmm. and they're always having to, I guess make these decisions out of survival rather than just being a bad kid or like there's a lot of labels that are put on young people but they're just trying to do what they know is going to get them to where they feel they need to be at that point in time and that may not be positive for them in the long term but it helps them survive exactly Mm. I think um if what you're saying Zane is that young people like to young people, Covan can be a better option than the other options they've got or the best option. Maybe the solution would be improving their other options. You see this a lot with like adults. Uh, I think they call it being institutionalized where they like their life inside, of, inside the jail and they don't have anything to go out to in the free world. They don't have anything out there. So they'll do something to make sure they get put back into mm. the prison system. Yeah, it's the it becomes their whole reality, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you don't know how to be outside of that. I can relate to that. Um, Mug is accommodation. You have to um, sort of know the basics or soon quickly learn them. Otherwise, you don't have a house sort mm. of thing and you might be stuck in a really unsafe and unsuitable environment. One thing that I learnt um, in my job at Raza is that, uh, especially when you're talking about children and young people, but I think it applies to adults as well, that behaviour is actually communication. Um, So if someone's acting a certain way, they're probably communicating something to you, you know? I think, I don't know if I'm right, but something like 90% of our... Communication's non-verbal. Yeah, and lots of it's through our behaviour. And if I'm smashing something up, I'm probably communicating that something's really wrong in my world. It's just like a baby. Yeah. It's not hard hard to understand. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, In in my experience in care, I didn't necessarily want to verbally communicate with the workers because if I told a worker, they'd just write it down in their book and then... If I wanted to continue that conversation, it would have to be with a different person. Do you think that being in residential care, you know, we're talking about institutionalisation, do you think residential care contributes through its environment to people wanting to be in Cavan? Like, do you think that residential care institutionalises young people? 
I've never been inside a correctional facility, so I can't, it's not necessarily a true comparison. Mm. But I remember when I was in there, I like to say that it was like a jail mm. because we got locked in. I couldn't go out for my cigarettes at, at night. And um, yes, I got locked in and they would lock the food away mm. and we'd have to like, um, that's a good way of saying this, suck up to the uh, workers uh, to get what we wanted, which I saw as basic like human rights. Like I couldn't eat unless I was nice enough to the worker to let her or him mm. open the cupboard for me or the fridge. Um, and stuff and just like not being allowed to go outside and it felt very much like if I went outside I was on the streets and I was didn't have anywhere to stay then so I could I could leave this place but if I did I had nowhere else to go and I would have been homeless mm -hmm. so I would choose day to day do I want to be in this place that feels like a jail or do I want to be on the streets I think it's important to note that not all residential care facilities are like that and that some young people have really great experiences of resi I've, I've heard stories of resi that are really really positive as well um there's a seems like there's a massive range of what residential care can be like yeah i i just speak from my experiences and i have uh i remember when i was young i was felt it found it really jarring when i heard someone say finlay has done a lot for me and it really helped me. I'm in a lot better situation now because of what Femmes Essay has done for me. And I remember not understanding that. I'm like, how could someone think that this is a good thing? All right. Let's listen to some stories from young people about Kavan. When you get in there, it's like you don't get to do anything for the first few days. They lock you in a cell and you don't get to go out because they need to do their checks on you, the health checks, and make sure that no one else there has done offences with you or you have any beef with anyone so they can make sure they put you in the right unit. But when you get out there, it's like when you get you realise that you know most of the people, especially if you've hanged out with them on the streets already, and it's like you kind of like, you kind of make it, try to make it fun. What's it look like on the inside? There's like five different units and they can hold up to 12 kids in each units. Um, the school's pretty big, they've got two massive ovals. It's like, it's a huge place. You go to the pool, like you get full education. It did a lot on my behalf. I got a lot of my education done. Um, I lost a lot of weight, did a lot of fitness, went swimming every day and you get out sober, you get out healthier because you're off drugs for a while. So yeah, just stuck to things. What, I should do because there's nothing else to do in there. People who have been, um, have lived experience of the juvenile justice system more recently, so younger clients, you have access to education, you have access to training, there's recreational activities, swimming pools, um, basketball courts, a yard. Once you get to Yatla, that's not guaranteed and depending on your security rating or where you're held in the prison you might only get one hour of yard time four days a week um, and that's a big difference otherwise you're kept on a unit with 30 other people 
and you pace up and down 20 feet one way, 20 feet the other way. Um, You have no privacy. Your phone calls are recorded, your visits are monitored, your letters are read um, with no access to education, no access to training, no access to um, rehabilitation programs for the majority of inmates. Um, So you're really left to your own devices and, and to survive in a pretty hostile environment. They need to make that place for kids a lot worse than it actually is right now. Because you would want to go back yeah. if you didn't like your placement. So you could easily go to St. A lot of the kids in. in there who were in there for long periods of time, they and they haven't been to Yatla and they probably don't know much about it at all, they would be thinking in their head, oh, this is all right, this, is, this place is fine, Yatla's going to be the same, but it's really not. Do you think individuals who are reoffenders have been institutionalised? Yeah, so that's what we like. They just go and re, they go and reoffend on purpose. Just because, you yeah. know, some people even do it just to have a bed. Yeah, I got into that cycle a little bit. Like when I was living at my old unit, I was going out doing crime, getting arrested. And then as soon as I got out, doing it again and again and again. Two hours later, three hours later, in the same day, until everything actually caught up to me big time. And I've certainly seen people, young people who have done, young people in their teens who have offended specifically to be locked up so they can have a bed for the night. And we see that happen again in adulthood. Um, That's a, you know, if the weather's really poor, unfortunately, committing a crime can be a, a way to a bed and a meal. For some people, it's their safe space. It's what they understand. Um, They understand what's expected of them in a prison. You might not have developed independent living skills that you need to exist in the community. Um, So you might not know how to budget or cook or take care of yourself. They've previously had somebody who tells them when they get to eat, when they get to sleep. Something I often ask, um, do you open your own door? Because in prison, people open doors for you. Literally, the door is open for you. So the number of times I've seen people just stand at a door and not quite know what to do because they're expecting that somebody else will open it for them, um, which is really confronting. Do you feel as though most individuals um, who are being released from Cavan find it difficult to integrate back into society? It depends on how long you've been in there for as well. Because if you're in there for months, you're going to miss out. Your life's on hold, but everybody else has moved on. Most people, uh, rightly so, are very scared or apprehensive about going to prison. And secondly, and most importantly, you're wasting your life. Why would you spend 10 years? You don't get them back. My brother just got out for three and I saw him for like a month and then he got resentenced. So I was like, that's like so much time just gone. And he doesn't see that because he's locked up, but I see it every day. I'm thinking, you know, like, oh, he could have been doing this today. You know, he could have gone to the footy this weekend, or he could have done this. But those things aren't going to happen, you know. Mm. And it's those choices you make. And it's not, it's more about when you realise who you affect apart from yourself, you know, because, like, when, when you just think about yourself, like, oh, yeah, I'm locked up, you know, like, so what, you know, I did something wrong. But how about the people you've affected on the outside? Uh, I don't think you really learn that until you've really done a big time in prison. And then you come out and you realise how much time's gone and how much you missed and family members have had kids and people have got married. And it's like my dad's done 20 years in prison. I'm 21. 
He's done 20 years in prison, like time before he met my mum and time after. I've always said to myself, that's not what I'm going to be. I'm not going to live my life with that much time, with nothing. I've done nothing. I want to leave something behind, even if it's the smallest thing that's helped just one person. So do you know what you want now? I want to fully improve. I want to like be fully clean. I want to be able to go work. I want to be able to go get the, my certificate for Cert 3 on board safety so I can become a deckhand on the fishing boat. That would probably be my dream. How do you think people can break out of those cycles? There are services and there are people who care around being they in the social work or whatever. One, you've got to get onto someone that you trust and see what you can get in terms of support from them. That's, the, that's one half. The other thing that's really essential and it's where it's lacking, and governments can't offer this, is mentoring. In other words, having someone that they can people can look up to or support. It's also another thing to remember too that a number of people in care have never had a family where it's structured around where the adults work yeah. um, and and it is a discipline because everyone finds it hard to get get up in the morning and go to work but if that's never been part of your life then getting into the workforce is doubly doubly hard how does it feel when you're being released from Cavan? it felt good knowing that i don't have to sleep there another night or that my bail wasn't going to get refused again, that I could actually finally go. I don't know, I, I just felt like I had my freedom back, got lots of food on the way home, and that's what made me happy when I got out. Do you guys have, like, a message for other people, say they've never been to Cavan before and they're starting to get, you know, mixed up in, in a bit of crime and stuff? Do you guys have, like, advice for them or anything? You're the only one that's going to miss out. It doesn't affect anybody else, like, mm-hmm. even the people you're mad at. It's not going to change anything besides make your life worse. Like, even when I go to school now, like, I've had work... Like, my teacher used to work in Kivan, and she talks about when she first met me in Kivan. Like, I don't want to talk about Kivan. That's my past. And, like, people will still bring it up to the day. So, like, even though you had a pretty good time in there. Yeah, I had a good time, but I don't want people knowing me as, oh, you're from Cavan. I had to go there, I had no choice, so. If you're in there, you just make the best as what you can. Mm. That's really all you can do. What I hear often from my clients is, my clients who are sitting in in high security adult prisons, um, is that they wish they had of taken into account what could happen. Being in prison is not a pleasant experience and I don't know a single person who doesn't regret not accepting support or help when it's been offered, um, if that might have kept them out of the justice system. Uh, We all have perfect vision in hindsight, but I think it becomes really, really clear when you're locked up. What might seem like a simple decision now or a simple decision tomorrow, can lead you to being locked up for half of your life. Straight Up is part of the GOM Central project. You can find out about GOM Central by going to the website gomcentral.elmplace.org.au or join our Facebook group. GOM Central is funded by the Department of Child Protection and delivered by Relationships Australia, South Australia. Straight Up is produced by Narrative Marketing. 
Your hosts are myself, Jamie Lee Nelson, Zane Tonks, and Nora Goodborn. The production team includes Nora Goodborn, Cass Eddington, Michelle Philsell, Naomi Ebert-Smith. This podcast was created on Ghana and Paramount country. We wish to acknowledge the Ghana and Paramount peoples and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians, their spiritual, physical, emotional, mental and economic connection to the land and seas. We acknowledge the original custodians of Australia and in doing so understand that their inherent cultural and spiritual beliefs continue to sustain the living people of each region. Special thanks to Mary Wellington, Michael Broderick and to the young people who have shared their stories. Next episode, we go get a sexual health check.